Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome back to another episode of Sky Women Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, and I have a special guest with me today. And I have got to tell you, I am immediately impressed with this woman, and I think that you're going to enjoy her story as much as I kind of connected. This is a topic that is not an easy topic I've wanted to talk about for a while. And today we are talking about divorce. And I have with me Dr. Manisha Alawalia. She helps Indian professionals feel joy and curiosity rather than frustration and resentment with each interaction with their parents. And she gets, they get to feel love for their parents and be proud of their lifestyle choices at the same time. She helps them to connect with their parents. And she's a certified life coach, author, speaker, and board certified infectious disease physician. Welcome, Dr. Alawalia. Thank you, Carolyn. I am so thrilled to have you. So I'll tell everyone, I was scrolling Facebook this weekend and I see this picture of this beautiful, fierce looking woman sitting on like a workout bench in her workout clothes, all in red. Red's my favorite color. So it really caught my eye. And I read this post about divorce and how you no longer feel married. And last time this year, you felt married and just all the feelings and emotion in this post. I got to tell you, Manisha, I just, I really connected. And I thought, wow, I wish I had that kind of insight whenever I went through my divorce when I was young with a toddler (laughs) and in my intern year. I mean, it was such a painful time and I felt so much shame. And I think, you know, I don't know. You just seem to have like immense insight into that. So, so talk to us. Thank you for saying that. It doesn't always feel that way. It's nice to be reminded. We all, I think, can always use more reminders of the way we are is okay. Right. I think being aware of thoughts and feelings, maybe the way I express them can be a curse and can be a blessing. And Without awareness also, we can be such victims, right? Because there's all these thoughts and feelings running our lives. Totally, totally. And we believe them and they're not all true. That's right. I don't know what's better, but I can tell you, I think I'm in a good position and I think tapping into the awareness and being able to write it as I feel it, Mm -hmm. it does feel like a calling just because I do have the willingness to put it out there in its truest form as I'm going through it in in real time. And I find that that is something most people find to be extremely uncomfortable. Yes. Unwilling to do that. So the reason I do it is because I feel like it's easy for me. It comes naturally to me and therefore it's my duty to put it out there to normalize experience. Yes. Yes. I think that that is beautiful because you're right. I will tell you, I got on Facebook after my divorce. I was late to, to get on Facebook and I got on it after my divorce, really just to stay connected with friends and kind of curious because my younger sister was on it. <laughs> <laughs> and I have completely hit out 
I mean, it's been very hard for me and I've definitely had none of those personal conversations, you know, because there was so much shame around it. And I don't know if that, I mean, that's definitely particular to my upbringing as a Southern girl with a Baptist pastor (laughs) as a father. And I'm sure in your culture, you have similar pressures. I'm Indian. I'm also a Southern girl. I grew up in Texas. Did you really? Okay. Born and raised in Houston, Texas. Okay. And immigrant parents raised around my entire huge, loud Punjabi immigrant family. Mm -hmm. So great grandmother, grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, everybody. And I identify as Indian first. I identify as American simultaneously, but Indian first. And I would say 2021 is an interesting time to be living as an Indian American because there is a push to take down the patriarchy, to question the culture, to take parts of the culture that work for us and to leave the other parts behind. For whatever reason, these messages really resonate with me. And I think that's where I find my voice. It's like, I, I truly believe that we don't have to keep all parts of the culture and the part of the culture that says at a certain age, a woman should be, and then list out all the things. Sure. That may work for some people, but I'm also clear that most of those things don't necessarily work for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's lots of people like me. Yes. Yes. And it doesn't work for all of us. Right. But there is shame. We do get caught up in the shame, but what will my parents think? What will my family think? What will the people think? Yes. And as if they're living your life. (laughs) Right. People are going to judge. That's what we're designed to do. We're judging 24 seven. Of course, they're going to judge. Right. There's no escaping it. Right. So why not live your best life? I mean, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So I want to read some from this, this post, because I really want others to connect with you the way that I did. So it reads this from November 12th, man, did I feel on top of the world in this photo this past May? I was writing the tallest highs. Business was good. Physical health was optimized. Embryos had been adopted. I was feeling married as if it was a feeling. My husband was here physically, at least. Were we husband and wife? Were we tolerating each other? Were we fooling one another? By July, we were living apart. Now I no longer feel married. I don't feel the feeling of married any longer as if it was ever a feeling. Now I feel the feeling of divorce. Yes, divorce is a feeling. It's loss, it's freedom, it's lost, it's sad, it's anger, it's empowerment, it's victory. Yes, it's a word. Oh, victimy. It's victimy. Yes, it's a word. If you've ever felt like a victim, then you know victimy is a word. Divorce, the feeling called divorce is I know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have friends. I have no one. I have support. I'm alone. I have purpose. I have no idea what any of this means. I have wholeness. I'm completely broken. I am restored. I am breaking. I am growing. I am regressing. I cry. I wipe my tears. I accomplish. I curl into a ball. I write. I go silent. This 
this feeling, this unrelenting feeling is divorce. Yes, divorce is a feeling. And it goes on, but man, the self-awareness there. I've talked to so many women going through divorce who are just lost, embarrassed, beside themselves, sad. And then you add children on the top of it and it's just a whole nother level of... And the idea here is this is normal. Yeah. This is divorce. Yeah. All of our stories leading to divorce are different. But the experience of divorce is also different, but also similar. And it's all normal. The purpose of the post is to normalize this stuff. Find, feel the shame, but that's also normal, right? Okay, we maybe shouldn't feel shame, but we do feel shame. Maybe we shouldn't feel free all of a sudden, but we do feel free. Mm -hmm. Maybe we shouldn't feel anger, but we do. All the feelings. Don't want to feel victimy, but we do. Mm -hmm. It's just normal. Like, let's stop pretending that it's supposed to look like, you know, I'm I'm curled up in a ball and I can't function. What if I'm just functioning? Right. What if it's supposed to look like I'm a badass and I'm I'm working in my, you know, I'm living my best life when you're really eating Ben and Jerry's for the next eight hours. I don't know. Like, what if it's all normal? Yeah. And that's the whole point. Like, we don't need to live the curated version of divorce. Right. So let's talk about your divorce. And you were mentioning uh, before we started recording about a coaching session where a light just went off for you. Yeah. I'll tell you about it. I was in a coaching session. So I was, I'm the client and I had a life coach coaching me that day and everything felt painful to me. I felt like I was in so much pain and I felt like I couldn't fix my relationship. And I felt like I wanted to fix him and his thoughts so that we could come to the same conclusion and have reconciliation in our relationship. Of course, because you're probably right. And he needs to just get on board. (laughs) Shocker. I wanted my life to be different than it was. I wanted him to be different than it was. I wanted my relationship to be different than it was. And I wanted me and my thoughts to be different than they were, right? So you were arguing with reality. Arguing with reality, really loudly. Screaming match. And the coach said, when you know that you're in pain, when you know that your partner is in pain, when you know that your relationship is in pain, what is the most loving thing you can do? So when she used the word love, that's what struck a chord. Because what brings us together is love, right? Why can't love be the thing that's there while we're separating, while we're getting a divorce? Why does it have to leave the room? And so my answer in that moment was, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to make no decisions. I'm not ready yet to make any decisions. So that came from a place of love for yourself, for the relationship, for the love that brought you together. Yes. Okay. Because we were in such pain and we needed love. And so we proceeded to be in limbo, I would say, for a little while until we were ready to make some steps forward. And we kept checking in with each other and kept saying, I want this to be loving. I want this to be kind. I want this to be generous. And both of us agreed in that because we started with love, right? And it was still here. But it took us pausing. It took us pausing from saying, do we want to get a divorce or do we want to do nothing right now? Or do we just want to pause for a second? So we, out of love, decided to pause. And then when we were ready, started to take some more steps forward, but always checking in. 
So I want to go back to this. Okay. You have this epiphany, like you're in this place of trying to, you want to fix your thoughts. You want to fix him. You want to fix the relationship. You want it all to be better, to be better, to be okay. For whatever reason, maybe it's from a place of love. Maybe it's from a place of saving face, right? Because we do that a lot. (laughs) I know at least I did eight years into a marriage and like really just trying to save face. So how did that conversation go after the coaching session when you have this epiphany of it's a place of love? Were you able to go and have a conversation with him when there is this hurt and ache and pain? You were able to have a conversation and y'all could collectively come to, we're going to do this from a place of love, whatever we do, and we get to choose. That's exactly what happened. Wow. We, we are, so I will say I'm very grateful that we have that foundation of good communication and maturity, I would say, mm-hmm. emotional maturity to be able to say, despite everything, despite our differences, despite the fact that we can't find a logistical way to reconcile, we still want to be loving towards one another. Mm-hmm. And I will say it was challenged at some point, right? So at one point there were ideas like, well, I put this and this and this in terms of finances into the marriage. You know, that's what's something he was saying. Right. And we we come across this, right? When we're separating assets. Well, I put this and this and this into the relationship. And I said, well, you want to pull that card? I also put my mind and body and soul into trying to become pregnant for us. Right. Doesn't that come at a price? it comes at a price that there is no price tag on. Right. And that was a moment, like we both kind of sat there with that reality. And he was like, say no more. I get it. We're not going to put any price tags, right? Mm -hmm. So we're just not going to worry about the money part. In fact, we wanted $0 exchanged. Like I'm not taking anything from you. You're not taking anything from me. That's not what this is about. This is about letting you live your dream because I love you. Right. And and letting me live the way I needed to live because he loves me. Mm -hmm. That's uh, beautiful. And I feel like it's unique. Do you think it's unique? I've been told it's unique. And that's exactly why I write about it. Because maybe there are people who think that that's a possibility for them. Right. I mean, I always marvel at these families who are able to co-parent so well together and speak lovingly of each other. I mean, it just blows my mind because that was not my experience at all. But what if we all have these wild ideas that divorce can be loving? Yeah. And then what if more of us are like, actually, that sounds great. And how much better would it be for the children who are left in the wake of divorce? Right. To see that mom and dad can be loving through this or mom and mom, you know, I don't mean to put heteronormative. (laughs) That's just my lens in a, since I'm in a heterosexual relationship, but anyhow. Yeah. So fascinating. I I think it's beautiful. And I think it's such, I I would love to see more divorce happen this way. Right. Because we're not always going to be able to reconcile. But I would say like, what does it feel like when you're not doing it out of love, right? When you're doing it from a place of anger and resentment, there's such resistance there. There's such internal turmoil. Yes. And when I feel like that, because we did it with love at the center of it, there was such flow. Everything was easy. He literally pulled a template from Google, filled it in for divorce agreement. And you signed it. 
paid a lawyer to review it. And then I paid a lawyer to review it. We didn't have legal representation. We just paid lawyers to review the contract. Mm-hmm. We took it to the freaking UPS store. And got it notarized. In our neighborhood uh-huh. for notary. Uh-huh. And felt so it with the corner. That's the ease of it, right? Like that's the ease of it. Yeah. But at the same time, don't, don't get me wrong. It's the most gut-wrenching thing that you can do, right? It's still heartbreaking. Sure. And me trying to sign that paper through my sobbing, he literally had to put his arm around me to stabilize me so that I could sign the freaking paper. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's still, we can leave that and still say with one another, hey, I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad we did this with love. Yeah. Man, what a beautiful experience. I mean, I'm getting a little teary-eyed here just hearing that, that you were able to support each other through that. I mean, I just think it's novel. I mean, I'm a, an OB-GYN. I'm a women's health provider. I talk to women all the time who struggle through this. And I saw my own struggle, you know, but my situation was a little unique because I didn't have a sound mind partner. You know, there was a lot of mental health issues there. Uh, that limited our ability to be able to communicate and support each other. And so it just felt like a knockdown, drag out fight. Yeah. It was so painful, but I'm hearing you say that you were able to love and support each other through the pain. We loved and support each other through the pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. I won't say who else is going to support me, but there are moments that only they know you that to that level. And only I know them to that level. True. And only you know what you've been through and what your breaking point was, right? And and that it's okay. Mm. And when I need a girlfriend to say, yeah, he was wrong and you were robbed. And, you know, I can go to my girlfriends for that. Totally. Like, let's trash the guy. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Right. That's still there. I'm still like that person, but I'm also a person who can say, well, maybe I can do it this way. Love can be the center of all of this. Yeah. But we, I think there's more people like this. I think there are, we just don't have a role model, maybe. Who was it? Gwyneth Paltrow that posted about this when she did a loving divorce or there was somebody in celebrity. Mm, I don't know. Okay. That did this earlier. I, I'm sorry, Gwyneth Paltrow, if you're still married, I don't know <laughs> much about celebrity things, but there was somebody that did this more publicly, but we need more of that. Yeah, we do. We absolutely do. Because I think it is the norm in our culture that divorce is ugly and painful and raw and yes. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. So I want to ask, then you had adopted embryos. What happened to the embryos? I decided that I would be the one to handle that part of our assets, so to speak. Yes. (laughs) We didn't have children, but we had embryos that we had adopted. Physically, those embryos are in the fertility clinic where they were created. So they still are in another state, not in right. the state where I live. Right. You know, technically I was going to prep my body and take me and my body and my uterus to that place. And we were going to put the trans- transfer the embryo to us. Right. Me. Well, that never happened. Anyway, I'm connected on a Facebook group for women physicians mm-hmm. who have infertility, who are moving on from their own genetics to donor eggs and embryos. Mm-hmm. So it's a very sub, sub, sub specific group on Facebook. Sure. And because somebody else had offered embryos to me at one point, wow. <laughs> after I had adopted these three, I knew that there was someone who 
wanted those other embryos. So I went back to her Mm. to ask her if she had already adopted embryos or was she still looking? And turns out she was still looking. Wow. So she and I connected. She said, absolutely. Yes. I want these embryos. In fact, the day I called her, she said, I have to call you back. I have to go and perform a C-section real quick on my patient, but I'll call you back. (laughs) So these are Indian embryos. This person's Indian. It's a rare occasion where you have Indian embryos up for grabs and there's an Indian person who is in the right place at the right time. So she obviously felt very grateful and they're technically mine, but they're genetically someone else's. So we then invited the original donor parents to be part of the process Mm. because the contract of the embryo adoption says that the donor couple wants it to be an open donation Mm. and an adoption so that the recipient couple eventually makes efforts as feasible to let the genetic siblings meet should Mm. there be genetic siblings. Right. There are two living siblings of these embryos. Right. And the parents of those siblings want these genetic siblings to be able to meet eventually. Okay. So because of that reason, I needed to connect the donor parents to the recipient couple. And the contract language that will be created, that is being created right now, is going to include not only names of me and my husband, but also the donor couple, the original donor couple. I see. And technically it's a contract that's created, reviewed by a lawyer, hired on both sides. You know, both parties have a lawyer and you go through a psychology evaluation and you go through fertility evaluations in the clinic where the embryos are, as well as the clinic where you are doing your own fertility treatments Mm -hmm. and you proceed that way. Now, the more fascinating part about this story, about the, the specific embryos is that the family who's receiving them is Indian, but also from the same Indian subculture, which is from the state of Kerala. So that makes them Malayali in terms of culture, which is the same as the embryos and same as the adopting parents. Mm, so they're not just Indian. They're not just South Asian, but they're the same subculture. Right, right. And the one woman receiving the embryos actually wanted these same embryos a year ago and it didn't happen. Mm. In the meantime, I adopted them. Right. And however the universe worked out, they found their way back to her. Fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I have no words. I usually am uh, very talkative, but I mean, it's it's so fascinating. You're, you're really opening my mind to so many other possibilities. And I think that it'll be the same for, for our listeners. Well, putting it out there again on social media, as I always do, anything I put out on social media, I feel like it just creates more and more opportunities. Mm-hmm. I adopted embryos and then somebody else was like, hey, we have some embryos. I adopted embryos and somebody else said, hey, there's an infant who's orphaned because both parents died of COVID and the grandparents who are living in India are giving up this infant for adoption. Do you know anyone? Right? Wow. I mean, all these various avenues of motherhood, familyhood were coming out of the woodwork. Right. Because of my willingness to be vocal, Mm -hmm. normalizing this process. Like, hey, I have infertility and I'm trying to make it happen anyway. Right. Which in itself takes its toll. 
I didn't even want kids. You didn't? My husband, no, my husband said, Hey, I want kids like two years into our marriage. Okay. And I was like, no, I don't want kids. And so we separated. And then I was like, no, I want your, I want this relationship. So I'm going to come back and do what I can. So then I did fertility treatments for four years. For four years. Yeah. And then we wow. had four years. So you went all in. I went all in because I wanted the relationship to work. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what I'm saying is like, you don't have to want kids. And then maybe if you don't want to have kids, but you want your relationship, you can try to have kids. And if you can't get pregnant, you can adopt embryos or you can adopt eggs. And then you can decide to say, I've had enough and I'm not going to do any of it anymore. Like all of this is a possibility. That's the message, right? Yeah. There's always a way. And then you get to decide when enough is enough. It's your choice. So talk to me about your coaching. So you're, you're not only, are you still practicing medicine as an infectious disease specialist? I say yes, because I've still practiced this year at some point. Um, okay. it, hasn't, it hasn't been much. I'm definitely more focused on coaching. Okay. I Which think, is fair. I think coaching is my calling in a way that medicine never was. Okay. Learned it late in life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I coach in a few different ways. So I coach for other physicians who are coaches who have their own coaching programs for which they hire coaches. So I'm coaches, a coach for those programs. And then I coach for myself. I coach women physicians and I coach Indian professionals. So in my private business, I coach Indian professionals. Okay. I started out with the niche of wanting Indian professionals to have connection with their parents. But as a result of doing that work, I'm realizing that what we really want, need, what we really need more of is just self-trust, unconditional love for ourselves. Yes. And everything else follows from that, whether it's connection with your parents, whether it's connection with your family, whether it's connection with your children, with yourself, with your career, with your friends, whatever it is that you're looking for, when we have that unconditional self-love and self-trust that's unshakable, that's when everything else becomes possible. So I really, that's the message I really want to get out there. That's what I want to make possible for more people. Mm. You know, I, I think that that's so important because I think that the deep hard work really is whenever we're feeling triggered by somebody, whether it's our kids or our parents or our spouse or a friend, it usually is something within that, that inner child, right? Something that's unresolved, something that triggers you and you go into the spiral. And I think recognizing that self-love and being able to give your, your childlike self a hug, you know, (laughs) and forgive yourself, I think is so key to really having the richest relationships. And it's not to say that we create the self-trust and self-love. We just uncover it from where it's gotten covered up because we all are born with it, right? Yes. We're hundred percent lovable when we're born. We trust ourselves. We love ourselves. Yes. We're hundred percent lovable at birth. And then it just gets clouded. Oh my gosh, it's so, so true. So I'm a mom of four and I have ages ranges from three to 17. And my three-year-old is the most confident, fierce individual I know. And I learn from him every day how to be truly present in the moment and how to demand a seat at the table. (laughs) 
And I love that about him. And you're right. Somewhere around eight to 10, we get super self-conscious and we start shoving those feelings and trying to fit into this mold instead of loving being ourselves and being unique. And that's why Glennon Doyle's Untamed is such a hit. Oh my God. I love that book. Love She's that like speaking from the inner child of all of us. Totally. You're a goddamn cheetah. Goddamn cheetah. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Well, I am just so happy to have this conversation and to hear a totally new concept. I mean, mind blown on how to handle divorce. And I love this idea that it doesn't have to be from a place of hate and anger and pain. And it can really be from a place of love. And coming back to that question of what would be the most loving thing in this situation. Is that how it was worded? Say it for us again. If you recognize that you're in pain, if you recognize that your partner is in pain, if you recognize that your relationship is in pain, what is the most loving thing you can do next? Yeah. And for me, it was do nothing. Make no decisions. Mm -hmm. Pause. (laughs) Until you guys were ready collectively. That's right. Yeah, I love it. Well, tell us how we can support you and where we can find you if anybody, any of the listeners want to come and work with you. Oh, well, support me in a way. Well, there's a few different ways. Um, Yes. I have written a story. I was only able to share an abstract publicly. And that abstract is on that website for something or other publishing that I shared the link with you. So the the abstract is there, but it needs votes in order for the story to become more widely available so that we can normalize the idea of embryo adoption. Okay. Possibility of embryo. That's one thing. I just have my personal desire to have that idea spread more widely to make it more normalized. Okay. As, As a coach, if you're an Indian professional, Come work with me. If you feel like there's something missing in your journey to your own self-trust and your journey to your own unconditional self-love, that's where I want to work with you because it opens up so many other possibilities for you. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I think you're going to share the links. Yes. In the show notes, all the links will be there. They'll have an opportunity to vote on your story to help get that shared more widely. Thank you so much for having just a real raw conversation with me. And, you know, I wanted to talk about divorce for a long time and felt really uncomfortable talking about my own just because my 17 year old is wrapped up in that and can hear and understand and digest everything that I say. (laughs) And, you know, I will say that it's not until this year that I really, truly have come around to more self compassion and understanding that I did the best I could in the situation that I was in and I didn't know any better. And I was young then and I have forgiven myself. And I also understand that my partner did what he knew he could do, but also was you know, not in a place to get help for his mental health. And that impacted our relationship. And so I finally have come to this place of... Hmm, love and understanding. And also knowing that, you know, I was so protective of my son and I probably did so much damage going, you know, back and forth. And it just felt like this fighting match. And like he, he would say, he felt like it was tug of war and he was, he was the rope. And that just broke my heart. 
And yeah. he was 10 before I let him go live with his dad. Right. It was a, a long time of this back and forth, back and forth and unwilling to give. And in that place, I wasn't, in a, I wasn't necessarily in a loving place, but I saw that for the love of my son, I needed to give him this to live with his dad because that's what he wanted more than anything. And I knew in order to let him have the best experience with his dad, I needed to let him go back to my hometown where both of our parents were and he would have the most family support so that they could help to fill in the gaps with his dad. Yeah. The hardest thing I ever did. No, yeah. Absolutely the hardest thing. But it was from a place of love for my son. It wasn't, you know, until 10 years later <laughs> or seven years later that I was finally able to come to yeah. a place of love and forgiveness to myself and to my uh, first husband. I think that's so interesting that you did it with love, but didn't realize it. And now you realize it. <laughs> and then we just start to realize it more quickly, right? Now we're, we can build from that. Like now it's a lesson we never unlearn. Right, right. And I think that... Coaching in this last year or two, like I went into Empowering Women Physician coaching program last winter. And I did it because I thought I needed to level up for my business. I needed to create confidence and clarity for my business. And I didn't realize how much I was going to learn about myself personally because it's so intertwined, is it not? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 What a precious conversation. So I said all that to say that I am so delighted that this is the conversation that we're having about divorce. It turned out- a brave topic for you to bring to your audience. I really appreciate you bringing this topic to light. Like I said, we just need to talk about things more. Absolutely. Just like we need to normalize miscarriage and embryo adoption, you know, divorce, it's all, it's all a part of life, right? It's, it's really a messy, is. messy, painful, beautiful process. So thank you, Manisha. Thank you. Karen. All right. Until next week, be well. All right, Sky community. Thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.